Hi, guys. If we haven't met, I'm Dominic. I'm one of the pastor elders here. And uh, like Billy mentioned briefly, today is Reality Ventura's 10-year anniversary. Uh, that's a big deal. I think, I think most church plants last just a few years. Most marriages last under seven. So we should celebrate 10 years, right? And uh, if you have a Bible, please open it up to John chapter 6, or you got some kind of technology, swipe it to John chapter 6. I'm not going to really preach a normal sermon today. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, but I, I am going to say some things. Um, before I say those things, though, man, my heart is very full of gratitude today, and I'm feeling nostalgic this week. There's Transition happening in the Reality family, and uh, I remember being here 10 years ago on this Sunday um, and the year leading up to it, and my heart is feeling very full of gratitude, and I just want to pause for a moment, and if you could partner with me in finding a place of gratitude in your heart toward God, uh, whether that has to do with reality or not, if you can find a characteristic about God, maybe it's his love, maybe it's his forgiveness, maybe it's his nearness, and set your heart upon that just for a few moments, I want to just be quiet and allow our hearts to be in a posture of thanksgiving toward him just for a few moments. Let's do that together. Let's just say out loud, thank you. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to begin this morning by actually reading a five-minute excerpt from a memoir that I wrote recently about reality. I believe part of knowing where we are going is knowing where we came from. So this is a little bit different. Like I said, it's our 10-year anniversary. It's a little bit different. I'm not going to be preaching the same, um, but I do want to read this. <clears throat> There's too many people in the stinking church. The Carpinteria Fire Marshal was fed up. Reality Carpinteria, affectionately known as Reality Carp, had been busting at the seams every week and in violation of our CUP. In early 2008, we were turning people away at the door in order to be compliant and knew we needed a solution. Enter Reality Ventura. The idea of a video campus was still strange and risky at the time, but with limited options and a sense of God's hand on it, after a year of weekly prayer meetings and construction, Reality Ventura launched on September 6, 2009. At the time, Reality Ventura still shared staff with Reality Carp. However, there were four brave souls who would make up the first ever Reality Ventura staff. Campus pastor and elder, Chad Amico. <laughs> Worship pastor and elder, Dominic Bally. <laughs> Kids ministry director, Jen Waltz. And an intern who happens to be here today with his family from Australia, Sean Noss. <sighs> but the origins of reality go back further. It was before dawn in April of 2003 when Britt Merrick and his wife Kate woke up at the exact same time and looked wide-eyed at each other. 
almost in unison, they said, I think we're supposed to start a church in Carpinteria. They'd both grown up in a small beach town, but had been ministering to college kids in Santa Barbara for the last five years through the Friday night college ministry at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara. The college ministry was called Reality. A few months later, on September 7, 2003, Britt and Kate, along with several others, started a church, and Reality Carpinteria held its first gathering in an empty warehouse on 6th Street, a block off of Linden, Carpinteria's small downtown strip. Businessmen and women, blue-collared workers, families, surfers, skateboarders, and college kids all packed into the room that first Sunday, over 500 of them. It was immediately the largest church gathering the small town of 15,000 had ever seen, and every person in attendance sensed that something special had just begun. For me and my wife Emily, the origins of reality are closely tied to our story. While reality was launching in Carpinteria in September of 2003, 200 miles away in the small town of Ramona in the eastern hills of San Diego County, we were sensing that God would soon be calling us to leave where we were. We were aware that new, vibrant churches were sprouting up with young, passionate preachers and leaders all across Southern California. It seemed as if there was something new that God was doing, and we felt called to be a part of it, but had no clue how. At the time, Emily and I were both working at a church, and although the church was fairly large and established, we always felt like there was more for us. So we began to pray. Well, Emily began to pray. (laughs) On the evening of September 7, 2003, we arrived at home after attending a church gathering near San Diego State. And Emily, both frustrated and expectant, said, I just need to pray. She grabbed her Bible, went into the bedroom, and shut the door. I grabbed the remote, sat on the couch, and turned on the TV. (laughs) An hour later, she emerged from the room almost glowing. Sorry, it's a little emo for me. Smiling from ear to ear, I quickly turned off the TV and asked, what happened in there? God just spoke to me, she said. About what, I asked. He told me where we're supposed to move. Tell me, I said. No, she said. I want God to speak to you too. The next morning, as I was praying with my eyes closed, I saw the words, Isaiah 42. I immediately sensed the peace and presence of God and knew he was speaking to me. When I turned to Isaiah 42, my eyes immediately fell to this word, coastlands. And then again, a couple verses later, coastlands. As I continued to pray and read the chapter, it felt as if the words were jumping off the page as I sensed God speaking to me. I'm starting a new work in the coastlands, Dominic, and I want you and Emily to be a part of it. My eyes welled with tears as I sensed a new move of God in our lives. Freaking out and excited, I went and found my wife. Em, God just spoke to me. How, she asked, in the Bible. Her interest was piqued. What book, she asked. Isaiah. Her eyes got huge with anticipation. What chapter in Isaiah? (laughs) I could sense her expectation that whatever came next was either going to make or break this moment. 42, I said, reluctantly confident. Coastlands, she whispered. I could only get one word out as I nodded my head in agreement. Yes. She opened her journal and showed it to me. The night before, she had written, September 7, 2003. Fear not. Fear not. New, big things. Coastlands. Isaiah 42. We hugged and laughed and danced and thanked God. He had finally spoken to us. And then it hit us. Wait a minute. Where the heck is the coastlands? What we didn't know at the time was that 200 miles away, 
on the exact same Sunday, September 7, 2003, a new work of God was beginning in this little, little tiny coastal town of Carpinteria, and that God had also spoken to them from Isaiah 42 about the new work he was going to do in the coastlands. The extent of our vision in the beginning was the youth of Carpinteria. No one could have imagined that God would have something far more than that in mind. Two years after God made it clear that there was a call in the church to plant other churches and to participate in what he was doing outside of the U.S., we sent our first missionaries to the nations and slowly and strategically began planting churches in specific cities around the world. Los Angeles, Stockton, San Francisco, Boston, London, Honolulu, and video campuses in Ventura and Santa Barbara that would eventually also become autonomous churches. In the coming years, we would experience some of the highest of highs and lowest of lows. Much has changed over the years, and there will be more change to come, even in the coming weeks and months in the Reality Family. But through all the valleys and mountaintops, through all the change, there has been one constant, the never-changing one. God has been faithful. And the same is true for this church as it is with the Reality Family of churches. He has been who he said he would be. And he has done what he said he would do, even as he spoke in Isaiah 42, that he would go forth like a mighty warrior and would prevail against his enemies, and the coastlands would declare his praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we are celebrating today our 10-year anniversary, and the first eight years of that um, was us a video campus connected as one church to Reality Carpinteria. And so in a lot of ways, we're like a two-year-old church because we've only been operating independently as two years. And so we could celebrate like, man, we're really a two-year church because in a lot of ways it, it feels like that. And that's maybe closer to reality, no pun intended. But as I reflected this week, I was like, you know what, though? We don't celebrate today what we have done. We don't celebrate today becoming autonomous. We celebrate what God has done, and God has been moving the exact same way in this room through Reality Ventura for the last 10 years, amen? So I'm gonna go with 10 years today and not two years. And before I go any further, I just wanna acknowledge a, a couple different groups of people in here today. If you uh, were here 10 years ago, I think it was September 9th was the actual day, but 10 years ago, on the first Sunday gathering that Reality Ventura had, can you just stand up and stay standing for a minute? Wow, yeah. Come on, that's something to clap about. Stay standing. Wait, don't sit down. So good, so cool. And then, if you've been here for four years or more, can you stand up and join them? Okay, here's why this is significant. Because the average church duration for somebody to be at a church is less than four years. So you guys standing, which is like 80% of this room, you've beaten the odds. Okay, and I just want to honor you today as a critical, vital part of this body. Thank you for your commitment to this part of the body of Christ. We honor you today. I honor you. Thank you. Love you guys. Let's all give you some love. Come on. You can sit down. So like I said, we're going to do something a little bit different. I think like in marriage, uh, there are milestones in, in the life of 
your marriage where you're like, man, this is a good time to, to look back. You know, like 15 years with my wife, it was like, this is a good time for us to go to Italy, right? There's like good moments in the life of a marriage as there is in the life of a church to stop and reflect, which is why I read that excerpt from that memoir. Because like I said earlier, I believe that an important part of knowing where we are going is knowing where we came from. And Reality Ventura was not just planted by Reality Carp. Reality Ventura was like transplanted by Reality Carp, as in like an organ transplant. A part of Reality Carp was planted into this church. One third of the congregation from Reality Carp was the congregation in the very beginning. Those people who stood up were at, no doubt, Reality Carp beforehand and transplanted here. And so we are deeply tied to those roots. And so I want to honor that. I want to honor those roots. Those are my roots. Those are our roots. But I don't want to just honor that. Today, I want to spend a few minutes honoring what I believe to be the most special part about Reality Ventura. It's not you. It's not me, as special as we may be. (laughs) And this is not even something that's necessarily unique to reality, but it is the best part of who we are. And what I want to honor today for a few minutes is the presence of God. I know that it's cliche to say like, oh, to God be the glory, and we're here to honor God. We are here to honor God, and we want to give him the the glory. But What about God is so wonderful? What about him are we honoring? Because God is not just a distant, aloof, benevolent God who is like sending us joy from heaven and sending us peace and life from heaven. The most wonderful thing about God is that he comes and dwells among us. And then from him is all of those things I just mentioned. So you should be in John chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 25, but before we get there, at the beginning of this chapter, uh, Jesus is being followed by hundreds, and then it turns into thousands of people. It'll say in your Bibles, 5,000 men, because 2,000 years ago they didn't count women and children when they were writing history. And so they think maybe somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people like the size of Carpinteria town, okay, was following Jesus. And uh, when he stops, they realize the people are very, very hungry. And they have no food to feed all of them. But there's a boy with a couple fish and some loaves of bread. And they, by the way, like how is the kid the only person who brought his lunch that day? (laughs) Smart kid, right? (laughs) And so... They used his bread. I don't know if he willingly gave it to them. They were like, yo, we're taking your bread or what? But Jesus miraculously multiplies the fish and the loaves and feeds these thousands and thousands of hungry people. That night, Jesus travels across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. In the morning, when everyone wakes up, those thousands of people realize, where'd Jesus go? They get in boats. They travel to the other side, realizing that he had gone to the other side. And uh, they get over there. To find him. And that's where we pick it up in John 6, verse 25. It says, They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, that means teacher, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses did not give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want to point out a couple things from this passage. First of all, in verse 26, he says, You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. In other words, you have missed the point of this miracle. And then in verse 32, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. I love Jesus. He's like, Moses didn't give you bread. That was my father. And then in verse 33, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The true bread of God is the one, it's a person, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then there's verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so first he says, you have missed the point of the miracle. And then he essentially says, you have missed the source of the miracle. You are asking for miracles because your bellies were full, but you have missed what the miracle was trying to show you. It wasn't about your bellies. It wasn't about the bread. The point of the miracle was not the bread itself. The point of the miracle was the bread of life. It wasn't that bread. It was this bread, Jesus is saying. The point of the miracle is Jesus. We come to Jesus because we know that he can provide for us. But often we miss the person of Jesus for the provision of Jesus. We often become so obsessed with the bread that we miss the bread of life. Jesus speaks of this manna from heaven. He's referring to Exodus 16. But the miracle in the wilderness, listen to this, the miracle in the wilderness was not that God would give them bread from heaven. The greatest miracle in the wilderness was that God would give himself from heaven. We see him giving manna in Exodus 16, but we see him saying, my presence I will give to you in Exodus 33. There is Moses, three months after they have left Egypt on their way to the promised land. And in Exodus 33, it will be up on the screen. 
It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. In your translation, it might say, my presence will go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, literally, if your presence does not go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us, if your presence does not go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. I want to read it again. Your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I do look favorably on you, and I know you by name. God says, I will go with you because I look favorably on you. So God's presence is a sign of favor. It is a sign of acceptance and approval. God is omnipresent. We know that as he was in Exodus 33. But sometimes, like we see in Exodus 33, God will manifest his presence in such a way that it is almost tangible, like, oh, God is here, which is what Moses was asking for. And when he does this, it is him placing his approval on whatever is happening in the place where he is manifesting his presence. I'll never forget the first time that Emily and I went to a reality gathering. It was uh, 15 and a half years ago. And God had said coastlands. We were like, where the heck is the coastlands? And so we borrowed an RV and decided to just drive up the coast of California, stopping in every coastal city, praying to see if something crazy would happen in that city. And along the way, we had scheduled appointments with certain churches and certain ministries that we would connect with and see if there was something significant there. And one of those places was reality, because the church was about five or six months old at the time. And so we went to the Reality Friday Night College Ministry and then a Reality Carp Church service. And I'll never forget walking into those gatherings, these overcapacity-filled rooms. And um, as the, the gathering started and we began to sing and Britt was preaching, I remember feeling something that I had never felt in my life. I'd, I'd been to hundreds of church gatherings and dozens of different churches and I sensed, like, this weightiness, and yet it was light, and this, like, this, like, power, and yet there was peace, and it felt like joy, and it felt like love, and I didn't know what to call it, and, and so at first I thought, it must, be, it must be that, dude. It must be Brit. Like, I'm just in the presence of greatness, and I was like, nah, dude, I've been in the presence of other great preachers before. That's not it, and then I was like, oh, it's the worship. I was like, it's not that good, though, <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, it's, it's the lights. They turned off all the lights during worship. It wasn't the lights. 
They were having these things called prayer meetings, something I had never heard of before, like every week. And I was like, oh, it must be the prayer meetings. They kept talking about Jesus. He was like at the center of everything they did and talked about. I was like, oh, it must be because they're making Jesus central, but other churches had done that. And I was going through the checklist, like, what am I sensing? And as we, as we sh- moved to CARP a few months later, and, you know, God had spoken to us that weekend that this was the coastlands he was talking about. We moved up there. And it kept happening. And I was like, what is this? And it wasn't the good preaching or the anointed worship leaders or the lights or the loving people. It wasn't their mission. It wasn't the prayer meetings. I didn't know what to call it for years. But after years, I, I realized what I know now. Simply put, what I was experiencing was the manifest presence of God. It was the presence of God, of all the church gatherings I had been to and all the conferences. I had never experienced the presence of God like that. Britt would go on to say, uh, the best thing that we've got going for us as a church and as a family of churches is the presence of God. You've heard me say it before. And this is actually true about every gathering of believers worldwide. The problem is when you don't recognize that the best thing you have going for you is the presence of God, then you don't ask God for it, and you don't make space for it. You can have the most gifted and well-meaning leaders and congregants in the world, but if they don't give space to God for him to show up and move, then at best, you have a seminary class. And at worst, you have like a Christian pep rally. I know of at least two people in this room today who came to reality having no context for church, no context for Jesus, and during worship, just being in the presence of God, were born again. Nobody preached the gospel to them. They just got close to God's presence and were moved, I need to follow Jesus. And they're still serving at our church, Reality Ventura today. It was the presence of God. It wasn't, it wasn't the lyrics. It wasn't because somebody preached. It wasn't because somebody gave an altar call. They just got in the presence of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The life. And so from him emanates life. And so when you get in his presence, it's like life just starts pouring out of him and pouring into you. That's what happened with those two people. And today we celebrate 10 years as a church, people being saved, broken lives, being healed and restored, and those things are miraculous. But the greatest miracle to me is how often God manifests his presence as we gather as we worship him, as we preach his word. From the beginning, we knew, man, if God doesn't show up, like, what are we doing here? And I still pray that prayer. We pray backstage with the worship team every Sunday. So often my prayer is, Lord, please just show up. Just manifest your presence. There's nothing clever enough or powerful enough that I can say or that we can do or that we can do upstairs. The gospel project, it doesn't matter if God is not present. It doesn't matter if God is not present. Lives have been transformed right here in this room over the last 10 years. My life has been transformed from things that I have heard from preachers and from song lyrics that I have, I have sung. My life has been transformed. But the power was not in the sermons or the songs. The power was in the presence. And my hope 
today is that we don't be like the people who Jesus fed and miss the presence for the provision. I don't want to miss the Messiah for his miracles. Isaiah 7 says that his name shall be called Emmanuel. If we're going to celebrate something today, let's celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And if we're going to pray for something this next church year, let's pray for more of God's presence. Because there is not healing, restorative power in well-put-together sermons or well-orchestrated worship sets or the, the gospel project new curriculum or the right youth director. There is healing and power in the presence of God. May we not be so enthralled with the miracles that we miss the Messiah today. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite the band back up now, and I'd like us to just close our eyes for a moment. And just acknowledge that everything wonderful that has happened has been because it emanated from the person of Jesus and from the presence of Jesus going out. We want to pause to say thank you, Lord. This is in your nature. You said it to Moses in Exodus 33. My presence will go with you. And then you promised it regarding you sending your son. His name will be called Emmanuel because God will dwell among human beings. So Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. And today, Lord, we say that you and your living presence among us is the absolute best thing that we have going for us as a church. As we're just taking a moment here with the quiet heart, um, I want to speak to anybody who came here today who uh, this is new information for you. You, like those people I referred to who came into church that day with no context to church, no context to Christianity or Jesus, you may be in the same boat and here today. You're being confronted with the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your soul is hungry today, friend. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Receive me like you would receive bread, except when you receive me, it's like eternal bread, so you'll never hunger spiritually again. God wants to restore your soul today, and all you need to do is turn to him and just begin talking to him. Just say, God, I recognize I am hungry and impoverished without you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Invite him into your life, and as you do, he will wash away your sins and make you brand new. Okay, you can open your eyes back up. Um, I told you we're going to do something a little different today, so we're leaving the lights on for a few minutes. 
here's the deal, guys. Um, I really do believe that uh, something fresh and new started in 2003 in the coastlands. Those of you guys who are part of it and who had been it around Ventura and a Christian for, you know, more than 16 years, I, I think you would attest, like, yeah, God began moving, doing something fresh. There hadn't been a, a new church plant in years in Ventura. And since Reality Ventura started, I think there's been 10 or 12 churches that have been planted in the city of Ventura. People ask me, oh, do you get bummed about that? Because, like, people are going to go from your church over there. I'm like, dude, this is the kingdom of God. No, I rejoice in that. People are moving from all over the country to Ventura to plant churches? We rejoice in that. That's because God is moving. But listen, when God revealed himself later in Exodus 33 to Moses, he did not say, I lavish love on one generation. He said, I lavish love to a thousand generations which means that his work did not stop with the last generation and it's not going to stop with this generation. Amen? And so, what he started then, he is continuing to do and he will continue to do. But what is lasting emanates from his presence. And while that is true, God uses his people to partner with him in what he's doing. That's how he has always worked. And what began in this room 10 years ago was birthed in the praise of God and prayers to God. Everybody say praise. praise. Everybody say prayers. prayers. There was something powerful that happens when God's people pray and when God's people praise. Really quick, a couple references. Second Chronicles 20. The people of God are up against an unbeatable army. And what God chooses as the instrument to defeat the unbeatable army is not physical weapons, it is praise. As they went out and worshiped through song, the enemy was defeated. Strongholds are broken when God's people praise. And then in Luke 18, it's just one reference. We see this persistent widow who's crying out to this judge day and night. And finally, the judge grants her what she's been asking for. And Jesus says, how much more if you cry out day and night will your heavenly Father give to you what you have asked for? Sometimes God waits to act until we ask. It is a mystery. I don't get it, but it's all throughout Scripture. Sometimes God waits to act until we ask. So we are going to spend some time for the next Seven minutes or so before we get into the second set. I finished, I finished seven minutes early, okay? Good job, Dom. I finished seven minutes early. Did somebody say, woo, because I preached shorter? Is that what happened? I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. We're going to spend about seven minutes praying and praising. But listen, we're not just going to do it like we normally do where we praise right now. And I'm not going to have you guys pray with one another. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do what we did 10 years ago in this place, but we're going to do it fresh. Uh, can you put up these picture, that first picture of, yeah, listen. This is, this is the room we're in right now before there was a stage, okay? In that corner right over there to the upper right, I think, is this corner right here. Yeah, this backstage corner. That's where the stage would be right now, okay? This is us praying for the city of Ventura. This is us praying as reality of Ventura, a couple hundred people. And then next slide. 
on this same day, we walked around this room, and with Sharpies, we wrote prayers and praise and scripture on the ground. You can still see it in the aisles. If you look to the right, right over there, you'll see some faded. I just looked. There's a list of names over there. Somebody praying for people by name. There are people in this room today, you might not even know it, but you're a product of people writing their prayers to God saying, Lord, would you do this? Would you do this in these people's lives? God has answered so many of those prayers and those promises that we wrote on, these, on the ground and under this stage and on the walls before we painted. And so, next slide. There's one more, I think. Listen, up on the walls before we painted. So we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to do the same thing today. There are Sharpies up here at the front of the stage in these white buckets and then on the back corners of the sound booth. Here's what we're going to do. Let's all stand up together. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take about five, seven minutes, and you're going to come grab a Sharpie, and you're going to write either, we'll put it up on the screen, you're either going to write a prayer for this community, a prayer for this community, a promise or a prayer from Scripture. Maybe there's just a Scripture on your mind. You're like, oh, man, that's so good to remember. You're going to write that down. Or, there we go. A prayer for, that's all right, a prayer for this community, a promise or prayer from Scripture, a prayer for Reality Ventura. Maybe you're like, man, I want to pray for this church or I want to pray for someone specific at this church. Don't be like weird, like, I hope Dom loses some weight. Don't do that. That's like, you pray a generic prayer. <laughs> uh, I'm praying for it too. Okay, next. A specific worship song lyric. Man, maybe there's like a, whoa, that lyric has been on my mind all week and I had no idea. Why? This is probably why. Next. A specific praise to God. Like, Lord, I'm so thankful that you are this. Lord, thank you that you are that. And then the last one, maybe it's just a prayer for a specific person. You could write their name even. And listen, if you don't want them to know, write a code name. God knows, right? You could write a nickname for them. So what we're going to do right now is uh, the band's going to play a little bit. We'll, we'll probably start singing uh, a little bit as background. And you just come grab a Sharpie. I want everybody to participate. And you can write in the aisles. We removed the carpets up front. So there's a bunch of space up here. You can, we can have 50 people up here writing in the aisles. If you want to write right where you are in the rows, you can do that. Pray a prayer for us, Lord. Uh, we ask that you would give us Holy Spirit prophetic insight to know how to pray. We want to partner with your will for this city, for the people of the city, for this church, for this community, for this county. We want to partner with you and your heart for us and this community. And so we do, Lord. We look to you. We, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. And listen, guys, often God just uses our our own like intellect sometimes because he made it. And so he like, he might put a, you might just have a thought in your head. And you're like, I don't know if that's from the Lord. Well, is it a scripture? Is it something that lines up with him? Is it good? It surely isn't from the devil then, right? So allow that to just be like, oh, okay, God's maybe speaking to me. Maybe that's the thing. The first thing that comes to your mind, maybe that's the thing. So let's do it. Lights are on. Come on front. Grab a Sharpie. Let's walk around. We'll leave these little bullet points up on the screen so we can uh, remember what we're doing. Not on the walls, Billy said. <laughs> Only the ground. <laughs> <laughs>